you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Are you ready? Are you ready for the roller fastest coaster of your brain or... <laughs> whatever that guy said uh, in the intro. I don't know what that is. But you know what, guys? We put it in the Google machine, the smartest people on the planet, and then we go, damn it, let's have those people on the show. And you know what? We have one here today. We captured one in the wild. We captured I'm mean, This is a new joke run I'm going to do. This is going to be a callback in the future. We captured him. We, we, you know, you ever seen that? You ever seen that uh, uh, wildlife of Omaha? Boy, that dates that whole I am, doesn't it? We, you know, where they go in the wild, and they're like, oh, no, the lion in the safari is going across the plains. Uh, yeah, so we captured him in the wild. He has uh, agreed to come on the show, likely against his will or not. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, and he's a brilliant, uh, smart man. We've checked the interwebs, and <laughs> that, that's one of the reasons we do this show, so that we can have someone smarter on the show than me. And it's a very low bar, folks, for me. Uh, we all know that. You've been with me 13 years. Uh, tomorrow, we turn 13 years old. Who knew the hell that would happen? <laughs> I wasn't sure. I knew it was going to be 10, but still 13. I'm tired. I want to go home. See you. I'm out. Anyways, welcome. Welcome. I just want to see how long I can get away with not saying it. Welcome to the Chris Foss Show, the thechrisvossshow.com. Maybe after 13 years, I'm tired of saying it. I'm going to quit tomorrow. Fuck this. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, you better make sure and go uh, refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives because we're going to extortion level now. Uh, tell them to uh, sign up to the show. Go to youtube.com forward slash Chris Foss. Go to goodreads.com forward slash Chris Foss. Uh, all those places on the internet, the big... 120,000 LinkedIn group, the big LinkedIn newsletter. This will probably be on tomorrow. Uh, also, go on uh, iTunes. Give us a five-star referral. Us, I will quit tomorrow, damn it. I've had it. I'm uh, enough already. I'm 14, another, uh, like a 14th year. Wait, does this make the show a teenager officially? 12, 13. Oh, my God, the show's a teenager. Boy, there's going to be trouble, and it wants to date now. Damn it, I'm going to have to get insurance. Anyway, without further ado, we have a brilliant mind on the show, and it's not me. <laughs> we all know that was coming. Uh, the oldest cure in the world, Adventures in the Art and Science of Fasting. Just, uh, this is coming out September 6, 2022. My God, we're in September. Steve Hendrix is on the show with us today. He's going to be talking to us about his amazing book. And guess what? You can pre-order it wherever fine books are sold. But remember, stay out of those alleyway bookstores. Uh, you might get a uh, tetanus shot. Uh, Steve Hendrix is a freelance reporter and the author of two previous books, one of which, The Unquiet Grave, The FBI and the Struggle for the Soul of Indian Country, made several best-of-the-year lists. He's written for Harper's, Outside, Slate, and the Washington Post, or as we call it around here, the WAPO. We have many great journalists from the WAPO on the show. Uh, Hendricks lives in Boulder, Colorado with his wife, a professor of family law, his dog, and a border, or I'm sorry, his dog, a, not and, a border collie cross. Welcome to the show, Steve. How are you? Hi. <laughs> Excuse me, Chris. I'm great. That's quite the intro to live up to. Good there to be you on, go. On your adolescent show. 
Oh my God. You know, my voice cracked at the beginning there. So I kind of, I went off on <laughs> You've a, set the standard on I the did a, I did a segue tangent that kind of went around the moon a couple times. But welcome to the show, Steve. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, give us your dot coms, those uh, places on the internet skyweb where people can see you on the interweb. Yeah, it's really simple. It's just my name, stevehendricks.org. I'm not a big social media guy, mm. so I guess that, um, you know, don't tell my publisher, but so, uh, the so best. Only, no only fans? Nope. Okay. So, uh, so well, if then. people want to reach me, go to my website, <laughs> drop me an email. Well, there's still time. Don't worry about it. All right. Thanks. My only fans, by the way, folks, is uh, uh, don't don't watch this. It will burn out your eyes dot com. I think that's the name of mine. Uh, anyway, guys. Uh, so, Steve, you've uh, you've uh, written a couple books before. What This is your third. I guess what motivated you want to write this book? Yeah, so I first wrote about fasting about 10 years ago um, for a, a an article that was published in Harper's Magazine. And it was focusing on this 20-day fast that I took because back then I weighed a lot more than I do now and I wanted to lose weight. And as I did it, I had explored some of the, the science around fasting and was frankly astonished, as a lot of people are when they first get into that topic, at how um, just how impressive the science of fasting was, how healing a mechanism fasting could be. Um, but at the time, you know, you, you write an article like that for a big magazine, a publisher will come to you and say, hey, do you want to write a book? And you know those books that kind of grow out of magazine articles that should have just stayed magazine articles because there wasn't enough there? That's probably what would have happened, I think, if I'd written this fasting book 10 years ago. Mm. But in the 10 years since, the science has just blossomed. Um, mm -hmm. My own experience with fasting has uh, grown as well. And then I became interested in the history of fasting. And so those three things were what moved me. I thought after, you know, letting this ferment for a decade, I thought I had enough to write a decent book. Hi, folks. Here's Voss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching speaking and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as a CEO, uh, I think I can offer a wonderful breadth of information information and knowledge to you or anyone that you want to invite me to for your company. Thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you listening to the show and be sure to check out chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Now back to the show. Yeah. I mean, I tried, I've tried a lot of diets across my lifetime. Uh, people in my audience know this, but, uh, you know, I've lost 75 pounds twice using intermittent fasting. Uh, I gained the weight back, you know, everyone's like, well, it didn't really work if you gained the weight back. No, I gained the weight back after a year and a half of putting my dog through hospice care and cancer. And after she died, I just quit giving a fuck again. Um, and went back up in weight. Uh, normally I shouldn't have done that. And, uh, you know, um, that was kind of once in a lifetime thing and we're going to try and keep it that way, but, uh, uh, lesson learned, but I, I, you know, being able to go back to that as a, um, intermittent fasting is a thing. So why, why, why is, uh, intermittent fasting? Why do you, uh, tout it as the oldest cure in the world? Yeah. So there are two kinds of fasting. There's daily fasting, which is what most people call intermittent fasting. And that's just, as you know, restricting your feeding window to a certain number of hours of the day and fasting the rest of the day. The other kind of fasting is prolonged fasting. And that's those 
long, usually water only type fasts where people are fasting for a week, two weeks, two months, three months, ideally under medical supervision if they're going for a long time. But so both of those forms of fasting are useful for various reasons. But the biggest one is that either way you do it, you will unleash healing mechanisms in your body when you are not eating. See, what happens is our bodies are fixing damage that occurs to them all the time. Mm -hmm. The problem is they're only doing it at a very low level because um, most of the time they're very busy processing the nutrients from the food that we eat. Eating and digesting and processing food takes an enormous amount of energy and time in the body. Mm -hmm. Give your body a break from that even if it's only for, you know, a portion of the day mm -hmm. and your body is equipped by evolution to undertake these healing processes that, as I say, are happening all the time, but now they're happening at a much, much, much higher rate. And cumulatively, when you do that for, you know, days, weeks, months, years, whatever, um, those uh, repairs that the body is making add up. And scientists believe not only prevent us from getting diseases, but if we have some diseases can actually help reverse those. Yeah. And you, you prologue the book with, uh, with uh, a, a thing called criminal quackery, fasting for a cure. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, Traditional doctors tend to look at fasting doctors as quacks, sometimes as even criminal quacks, because they feel that they're peddling something that's unscientific. In fact, fasting has hundreds of years, thousands, really, years of practice behind it. Yeah. Um, and in addition, there are now decades of research behind it. But so this the story that I start the book with is the story of this um, woman named Yvonne Vielman, who was a executive secretary out in California. And she came down with uh, follicular lymphoma, which is a form wow. of cancer. Yeah. She was 42. She had a couple of small kids at home. Um, it's a terminal disease. It's a form of cancer for which the medical establishment will tell you, quite understandably, that there's no cure. Um, mm -hmm. The good news is most people live a long time, at least a decade, sometimes as much as two decades before they die, Yvonne did not want to die when she was 62. She was familiar with this because that would be, you know, 20 years after her diagnosis when she was 42. She was uh, familiar because she lived in Northern California with this fasting clinic out there named the True North Health Center. It's in Santa Rosa, about an hour north of San Francisco. And when she got her diagnosis um, over her doctor's objection, she decides she's going to go to True North and, um, undertake a fast under the supervision of the fasting doctors who run yeah. that clinic. And to make a, a long story short, after about 20 days of fasting, her tumors, follicular lymphoma uh, affects the lymph nodes, the lymphatic system. Um, and her tumors had been the size of, oh, hen's eggs or thereabout. Wow. Um, they began to shrink after a couple of weeks of fasting. Wow. And by the time she had completed three weeks of water-only fasting, tumors wow. were completely gone. Holy crap. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this is, or you know, there are a lot of interesting things, but one of them is, um, you know, you hear these stories all the time. They're just sort of one-offs and anecdotes, and you don't know whether to uh, believe them or not. She had had um, scans uh, both before and after her fast that, that tracked this disappearance of these tumors, which then allowed the doctors at True North to publish 
uh, her case as a series of case studies in the British Medical Journal, which is a very prestigious, very widely read medical journal, um, basically making the claim that they were able to reverse a form of cancer through fasting. Mm -hmm. Since then, they followed her up. It's been uh, eight years. Her lymphoma wow. has not come back. She's cancer-free. Serious. Wow. Yeah. They have that fasted other follicular lymphoma patients uh, with uh, uh, impressive results as well. And they're hoping to eventually be able to put together a more, uh, you know, these are case studies that they've published. These are not randomized controlled trials. They're hoping to be able to get to that level at some point. But, you know, the important thing to know is, is that fasting can reverse many diseases that we are, you know, uh, that, that most of the medical establishment doesn't know that they can reverse. The other important thing to know is, is fasting, we do know, cannot reverse most forms of cancer. This, this is an oddity. Um, fasting can, it seems to be able to retard cancer. It seems almost certainly to be able to help make chemotherapy more effective at destroying cancer cells and at uh, minimizing the side effects of chemotherapy to the, the chemotherapy patient. So it can do some great things, but I don't want to leave your listeners with the idea that fasting is going to reverse, you know, their uh, breast cancer or prostate cancer or, you know, pancreatic cancer or whatever. Yeah. Believing in flat earthism is, no, I, I, I'm glad you made that distinction because we don't want to lose people who go, oh, they're, they're saying that, uh, you know, fasting will cure cancer. But, you know, there is, there is uh, some semblance to it because, like you say, the body does repair itself, you know. I mean, the, when you go to sleep at night, your body goes into repair mode. And, you know, that's when I lose most of my weight at, is at night when it's, uh, you know, it's, I'm sleeping, I'm getting up and uh, hitting the restroom a lot at night. But it's, you know, my body's flushing and get ridding of stuff. You know, that's why if, you know, I can go to bed at night, especially at 54, be in pain, something's not working, maybe the sewer system isn't working right, or I've got a, oh, my arm's pulled or something. And you can go to sleep for a good eight hours. You get that deep, beautiful rest and stuff. And you wake up and you're you're kind of all healed up. You feel better until you know two hours later or something. Fifty four, um, and and so people don't realize the body's always doing that. In fact, my understanding of the body is a lot of times when cancer cells do first come out, or when them things that come out, the body will attack them and kill them off. And so the body has the ability to do that. This is science. It's not some sort of quackery, as you put it. Yeah, I mean, you and I, <clears throat> excuse me, sitting here right now depends on which scientists you talk to, but probably have about five cancer cells floating around. Yeah. And it's up to our immune system to do exactly what you're talking about, to come out and zap them. And that's one of the things that you find in various fasting studies, both in the intermittent fasting studies and in the prolonged fasting studies, is that the immune system uh, response is increased. Now, I don't know that there have been any specific fasting studies for immune system response specific to cancer. But the immune system response in general has been studied and it has been shown yeah. to uh, step up when when yeah. you give it that time without food, as you're talking about, particularly overnight, to do its job of cleaning up your, your mess. Yeah. And, and fixing you. I mean, it's just you, you wake up and you that's the reason you feel refreshed and you feel good. I mean, I there's sometimes I've been really broken and messed up and a good night's sleep, good eight hours, nine hours or something. 
I wake up and I'm a new human being until I'm not again. Uh, 54, man, it's rough. Uh, so, you know, the other thing you talk about in your book, because I get this a lot, because I, you know, I'll tell people, hey, you should try intermittent fasting. I'll see a friend mention, hey, I need to lose some weight. And I'm like, hey, do some intermittent fasting. Work for me. You know, I, I'm not a consultant or anything on it. I just tell my friends, hey, it works for me. Or they'll call me up and, you know, they're like, hey, I saw you lost all the weight. And, you know, here's what you're doing. And they'll be like, yeah, it seems like some, uh, uh, late stage modern sort of hocus pocus like you mentioned earlier at the quackery but you document in your book the history of this i mean like christianity and other religions you know i grew up in in a cult but and one of their functions was uh, you should have a fast on every sunday or every one sunday out of uh, out of a month and so i mean this has been a part of human uh, history for quite a long time, hasn't it? I mean, it wouldn't be that way unless it worked. It's kind of like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think yes and no is the short answer. <laughs> the longer answer is absolutely. It's been now, is that on the coffee or is that on the fasting? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> on the fasting. Um, yeah, you know, the history of fasting goes back to the earliest writings 3,000 years ago. It appears in virtually wow. every major re religion in the world. Um, the one exception to that, interestingly, is uh, Zoroastrianism. Zoroaster mm. thought that fasting um, made you too weak to produce vigorous heirs. And, um, to... they have, were they the cult that started McDonald's? Is that how that worked? <laughs> I heard of those guys. They're trouble. They were always trouble. Yeah. So anyway. The Zoro people. Was it the Zoro people? Was it? Was it? No, no idea on the McDonald's front. No, but what was the name of the tribe again? Or the, the, Zor the Zoroastrians. The Zoroastrians. Yeah. They, were, they were in ancient Persia, which is now Iran. Note to self, don't join the... What was it again? Zoroastrians. Zoroastrians. Yeah, don't join those guys. <laughs> are they still around? Probably not. They are. Do they have a church yeah. in Florida? Is that how it works out? Is it a big no, pink building? Florida, you would think Florida's got a little bit of everything kooky, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do they have a guy who wrote a book called, never mind, I'm not going <laughs> to pick on Tom Cruise and John Travolta, but they should come out of the closet. Anyway, uh, jokes aside, uh, so is your book more of a teaching thing on how to do fasting and here's how it works, or is it more like a historical thing and documenting why it works and the science of it and the practice of it, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, more the second. It's more about the, I wanted to tell a more complete story of fasting than had been told. So in the history, for example, you know, if you read books on fasting now, there's a lot of information out there that's just not quite right. They'll tell you, for instance, that the ancient Greeks fasted, uh, which they did. Um, and they knew what they were doing and that this was a great cure. And somehow just humanity lost this over the years. Turns out nothing's further than the truth. They did fast. They did try to fast for a cure, but most of the time they had no idea what they were doing. They were stumbling around as they were in all the rest of medicine, not figuring things out. So I wanted to, to tell a fuller and I hopefully thought a more accurate story than had been told before. And I also really wanted to explore this new science that I had mentioned earlier, because there, you know, there are gosh, I don't know how many there are, dozens of how-to fast books. And the world didn't really need another how-to fast book. Um, you can glean some how-to-fast lessons from what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I mostly wanted to explore some of these things that hadn't been explored. And then also I wanted to do some fun first-person reporting by going to the world's leading fasting clinics. There's one mm -hmm. in Germany I went to. There's this True North Clinic in Northern California that I went to. And so 
So that's what the book is, but it's not like a, you know, how to guide, you know, I'm going to walk you through, you know, every day of your fast. And I like that you did this because seriously, that's like one of the biggest things that people throw back at me over fasting. They go, well, you know, I don't know. I'm familiar with the Atkins and whatever the fad diet is of the week and weight watchers and all these different programs. And, and I'm like, no, fasting has been around for like, you know, like you mentioned in the book, back to Greek days, the Greeks did it, uh, Christianity did it, um, you know, it, it, you know, what, like what I say, just like coffee, <laughs> you know, there used to be a whole thing where, you know, coffee was, was like one of the highest trades things in the world. Uh, and for good reason, because uh, I'm 54 now, um, we live on, this whole show runs on coffee. Uh, so, um, it, there wouldn't, to me, there wouldn't be a reason that it's, it's, it's been around for so long. You know, Atkins diet was started in the eighties or nineties or something. You know, there's all these fad diets. And the beautiful thing about fasting too, is it doesn't really cost you anything. There's no program. You don't have to buy a meal plan. I mean, yeah, if you do want help or maybe you want to have some medical help or medical advice, you can go get that. And, and I'd recommend that. But for the most part, you don't really need to have like you don't have to buy meal plans every month to be sent to your house basically for fasting yeah the daily fasting the intermittent fasting in particular it's really simple you yeah. just compress your eating into let's say six or eight hours if you can if you can't do that even compressing it down to say 10 hours or so yeah. great that's it you don't even have to change what you're eating now yeah. it's healthier if you eat a healthy diet of course Fasting doesn't yeah, fix don't your go to diet. Don't go to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, McDonald's fast is not recommended. <laughs> <That's> not, <laughs> so neither is the vodka fast. <laughs> don't do that. I've I've tried that fast. Uh, yeah. The vodka Mountain Dew fast. Um, I, I, I met a couple of Lebanese guys at this German clinic who were going into town each night. They would fast during the day. They'd go into town each night, hit the bar, and do like a I forget what it was a gin and tonic fast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not I, not recommended. I've tried that fast. Um, you know, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. The first time I tried the fast that I got from Pesto and and Ray Cronize, uh, and it was mostly from Pendulette's book on Presto. Um, I tried the fast, and I I gave up everything except for my Mountain Dew, which I was drinking like ten plus a day, oh, and goodness. my vodka at night. And uh, yeah, the first thirty days, I thought, oh, I'm doing really good. I might have lost a little bit of weight, but yeah, it was just dumb what I was doing. And after 30 days, I went, yeah, it's probably the Mountain Dew and the vodka. But uh, um, no, I mean, it's it was really simple. I mean, uh, okay, so what do I drink now that I'm not drinking Mountain Dew anymore because I, I am a caffeine junkie? Okay, you replace it with coffee. Uh, okay, me, you make sure you don't put coffee or fat in your coffee in the morning. You go to sleep at night. And, you know, there's a lot of principles that were really important that I learned um, and, and kind of mind hacks, cause there's some mind hacks I really had to learn. Like, you know, my mom used to do a thing where she reward us with a candy bar and a, and a soda if we were good at the store, which usually we weren't anyway, but my, <laughs> my little brother wasn't, but, uh, you know, and so we got this reward thing. Food is reward. And so, you know, you'd be driving around you're like, Hey, I'm kind of hungry. Ah, I have a Big Mac. Ah, fuck. I, be, I did some shit today. So let's get a reward. You're like, that's not a reward. You're shoving franken meat in your system that has like probably zero nutritional value if you ever watch Super Size Me. Um, and uh, that's why you're still hungry when you get done eating. Same thing with Chinese food, I think. I don't know what that's about. But, uh, you know, it's really simple. I would go to bed hungry. 
you know, realizing that we eat for a, a winter that never comes. I think it's Cronize or, or Pendulum, I'm quoting. Um, and you're not going to die. Like, I would get the shakes, you know, if I didn't eat for a couple hours. I'm like, oh, holy crap, I'm going to die. You know, I, I, you know, I've had people tell me that are fasting people. They're like, Chris, at your weight, you could go like a year and not eat and you'll, you'll be fine. You got plenty to live off, baby. And so that was it. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, your friends were probably exaggerating a little bit there, but yeah. <laughs> you, you, I was 350 at the time. So. Uh, you might get close to a year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if you are making a change to, you know, you're used to eating all the time, you're used to Mountain Dew, you're used to candy bars, you're used to vodka, whatever it is, any change you make is going to be hard. So it's not exactly, you know, it's not the most level test. Most people who do this, you know, time-restricted feeding windows, this intermittent fasting where you just compress your eating window, actually find that it's way easier. Um, studies have confirmed that people on these eating windows are either no more hungry than they were when they were eating across 16 hours a day, or they're even less hungry. And a piece of that is because when you compress your eating window, you do burn a little bit. It's not a ton, but a little bit more fat each night. That releases these ketone bodies, which are the breakdown products of your fat. Ketones suppress uh, hormones. Yeah, excuse me, suppress not all your hormones, suppress your hunger hormones. Mm-hmm. And that may be part of the reason why people feel less hungry. A piece of it also, though, is just when you say, look, I'm going to eat between whatever it is, you know, 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. each day, and that's all I'm doing. Taking it, just, just setting aside the rest of the day, saying that's off limits. The psychological mm-hmm. impact of that, I think, probably plays a role also mm-hmm. in making people less hungry. Just having a like, nope, this is just beyond the, the border. It's hard for some people, but most people say that after two, three, four days of it, it's the easiest you know, form of uh, you know, food restriction that they've ever done. Yeah, you have to realize you're addicted to sugar. You're addicted to sugar in, is like in everything. And so I just started drinking coffees and that fixed my Mountain Dew, Jack. I mean, I literally cold quit Mountain Dew and went to coffee. And all I was doing in the initial days was I would go to bed. If I was hungry, suck it. I go to bed. I drink like a big glass of water if it was bugging me. And then uh, I would go to bed. I wake up first thing in the morning is a coffee. And then I keep drinking coffee until I, you know, I, I wanted to kill someone. And then usually <laughs> once I became in, uh, I was at the verge of murderous rage, which is, you know, daily, uh, still. Um, and <laughs> that's Fridays around here. Um, so I would, then I would eat something. And uh, it first started where I just have like a normal meal. Sometimes it'd be bad and go to Taco Bell. I mean, you shouldn't do that. But, you know, I mean, this is my journey. And, uh, and I was losing like two to three pounds a day. And I was 350, so there was you know, there was quite a lot to spend off there, and uh, but and people were shocked. Like women were pissed at me. I started doing a thing where I would post my weight with from my withing scale every day on my Facebook as an accountability thing, and I'm like, I'm going to post my weight every day, so my audience is going to know if I cheat, which is very powerful because. Sometimes I'd be sitting at home going, oh, I really want to go to McDonald's. And I'm like, my audience will know tomorrow because it's going to show up. They're going to be like, hey, 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 <laughs> post boy, where's your, uh, where's your thing there? But, yeah, I lost 75 pounds, and uh, I've done it twice now. And now I'm at the point where I intermittent fast. I know the game pretty good. 
Um, I, I'm, I do vegan. I go vegan during a fast. Uh, not, not, you know, this pick your 500 variation of veganese. It's not full vegan, but it's veganese. Let's put it that way. Whatever the hell version it is, but it's largely vegan. I haven't had meat in a while. Um, and, uh, I, no, I had a taco the other day and it was like fake meat from Del Taco. Uh, I cheat. Um, I'll be honest, but no, two to three pounds a day. Like women hated the fuck out of me. They were like, I hate you. I don't want to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> two to three pounds a day. Like I've waited my whole life, but no, it works. And, uh, you know, it's just your body. You learn that this is your body can do this, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, any diet can work, right? It's just a matter of calories in and calories out. Yeah. If you are burning more calories than you're taking in, you're going to lose weight. Now, we do burn calories differently. Some people have a high-burning metabolism. Some people have a slow metabolism, and it sucks to be those people. Sorry, but it's only probably a few hundred calories a day. It's not like thousands of calories yeah. or something that we're talking about. So, yeah, one of the ways that um, the time-restricted eating windows, the intermittent fasting, gets you to lose that weight is you're just roping off parts of the day and saying, I'm not eating during those parts of the day. Yeah, and now, we hate those people with high metabolisms, right? We do hate them, but, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> so so anyway, yeah, like, you know, the one thing that I would say is your, uh, your fasting scientists and doctors would tell you, um, go ahead and eat during that window. You know, if you're starving yourself during that window and you're just living on coffee and saying, hold off, hold off, hold off. One of the things that the new research has turned up is we actually are better at, at burning fat and making repairs if we stack our calories earlier in the day. You know, most people do intermittent fasting by skipping breakfast and mm -hmm. they just hold out and hold out until lunch rolls around at noon and they eat from noon to eight. The new research is showing actually we process food way better in the morning and it's way oh, better really? for our health. Yeah, I hated hearing that. I wasn't a breakfast guy. I was a late night eater. It was absolutely the last thing that I wanted to hear. Mm. And when, when people, you know, when the research I was reading was saying, well, you really, for maximum health, ought to be shifting your eating window earlier in the day, <laughs> eating big breakfast and lunch and the small sort of light and early dinner, like even as early as mid-afternoon. I was like, forget that. That's nonsense. I love dinner time. I, I hate breakfast time. I switched, Chris, and I got to tell you, it was the easiest big switch I've ever made. I used yeah. to have an eating window from like 11 in the morning till 7 or 8 at night. Huh. I now have one from eight in the morning till, you know, two in the afternoon. It's been great. And I feel, you know, miles and miles better. And that's the wow. response that research subjects in these studies have also had. So you're doing, you're still doing a 16-8, you just moved it to a different place in the time? Yeah, it's more like an 18-6. I just shifted it earlier. Oh, so rather wow. than, rather than skipping breakfast, I skipped dinner. Or I don't even skip dinner because I still eat dinner. I just eat dinner at two in the afternoon. Wow. I don't eat it at, you know, five, which most people think or six or seven sounds crazy, yeah. but it actually, uh, it's been, it's been fantastic for my body and yeah. research behind it. You know, I had to try that. One thing I've been struggling with, uh, lately is, um, insulin resistance and, you know, I've been fat for 54 years so, and I really destroyed my system and you know now we're doing all sorts of gut health stuff and different things to try and make sure that works and you know i probably destroyed my what uh my my uh you mentioned earlier the the ability i was doing that joke um but uh i might try that because i've had to do longer fast now 
to break through an insulin resistance point. And then I'll lose like 10 pounds. And then I've got to do a longer fast, you know, a day or, or more. Um, and that gets really harder. Well, a lot of people don't realize about fasting too, is sometimes you're not really hungry. You're just dehydrated. That was the important thing I learned. You just yeah. need some water. Totally. <laughs> you don't need a Big Mac. You need some water, man. You're killing yourself. You know, people don't drink enough water, especially if they're drinking like these pops all the time. And, you know, I mean, I, every now and then I'll have like an energy drink and that thing will dehydrate the crap out of me. Yeah. You know, one of those carbonated ones. And I, yeah. I you know, the rock stars with the no sugar. Like I had one last night and I, I mostly do it for the taurine and stuff. And, and it's, it's kind of a fun hit, but man, that carbonation will screw me up and dehydrate me. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, they're they're diuretic. I mean, uh, you know, stay away from those if you can. Is that what it is? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're you're on your insulin thing. You might be happy to know that that's one of the most studied uh, effects of these early time restricted yeah. eating windows. We apparently our bodies were made to um, be less insulin resistant in the morning and early afternoon. Really? Yeah. So there are these fascinating studies where you take groups of people, you feed them the exact same meal at seven in the morning and the exact same meal at seven at night, seven in the morning, process it just fine. Seven at night, some of these normal, more or less healthy people will start testing pre-diabetic. Wow. You do the exact same thing to pre-diabetics with these meals at morning and night. And at the nighttime meal, they'll test full-fledged diabetic. Some of them will stay testing diabetic all the way until the next morning. The, the, the sugar stays in their blood so much and their insulin is so poor at opening up the cells and letting the sugar out of the blood into the cells. Wow. So, so insulin resistance, if that's a you know, problem for you, is one of the main reasons to do a early time-restricted feeding window to shift that when I might try that. Do you have like eggs in the morning, some protein, uh, well, or do you uh, eat some I'm, light or? I'm full on vegan. So, so no okay. eggs. Uh, okay. I just eat, you know, I just eat plants and it's, you know, yeah. well, I, I have a salad my, every day. I have a I big say, salad. We make. start my day with a huge salad and then yeah. I do a big bowl of oats and then it's, you know, curries and stews and, you know, I might like that better. Cause there's, you know, when I wake up during the day, there's a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, sometimes I want to murder everyone, you know, <laughs> nine to five. <laughs> so much. like everyone. Pretty much. <laughs> like, everyone. like all of us. Except yeah. for you. Um, you no, I mean, you all, seem, all of us seem, feel that way. You seem, <laughs> yeah, it's basically, I mean, if you go online and read the news, it, you pretty much want to murder everybody. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's what the judge says. No more murdering, evidently. Uh, so, and then he'll take the ankle bracelet off. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I might try that. I didn't even know about this version. So, but it's good you've put this history down so people have it and they have the data for it. And you know, it's 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 your biology, man. It's the same thing with it's it, and here's the other funny thing. I don't know if you study this or you can tell me right or wrong in it, but I won't lose weight if I get 6 hours. You know, what what's, what's that chemical in the body that you got to have that's stress related? Uh cort, cortisol. cortisol? cortisol yeah. yeah so if i don't get six eight hours of sleep not only will people get murdered <laughs> um but i won't lose weight as much it's it, i've got to have that full eight hours i've got to have that deep you know drool over, drool i wake up and like half my bed is is afloat and drool um i've got to have those dead sleeps that are like movies and stuff and i've got a great sleep eight bed that warms and cools and it keeps me, it's got an AI that keeps me at the right temperature that I sleep my deepest. And so plug, um, 
And uh, yeah, the if I get those eight hours of sleep, baby, I'm getting on that scale in the morning, and that thing is going down. Yeah, it's it's not my field, but what I know about it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's research to support. Yeah. If you don't get enough sleep, it interrupts the fat burning process. Yeah. And we do, you know, to to oversimplify a little bit, our body can be in fat making mode, which is what it's in most of the day, packing on fat from the food we eat. Fat burning mode happens mostly at night when we sleep. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can ramp it up a little bit with exercise, but not by, you know, crazy amounts. So you do do most of your fat burning when you sleep. The other thing to know is your fat burning mode doesn't start until six hours after your last food. Ah. And it doesn't ramp up into overdrive until another six hours. So 12 hours after your last food. So people who are eating 15 hours a day and then, you know, they get nine hours without food overnight before they have their first food of the, of the next morning. They're only hitting, you know, they get six hours into their nine hours without food. They're only getting three hours of, you know, fat burning and they're oh. never reaching that next state after 12 hours where they're getting that overdrive fast burn, excuse me, fat burn. So if you can go at least 12 hours and better still 13 or 14 or 15 or 16, you're getting a lot more hours of fat burn and you're getting into that Mm. overdrive fat burn. And one other little interesting thing about that is the fat burning mode coincides with your body's repair mode. So the more time you go, you're not just burning fat, you're repairing the damage over the day to your cells, to your DNA, to other things that would turn into disease. There you go. Uh, you know, I'll tell you something that's funny too, is uh, I, I, I started a weird habit during COVID and I think it was anxiety and worry and it just exhibited itself. And I started sleeping only four hours at a, at a time. Oof, and what rough. I would do is I would sleep for four and I wake up uh, and then somewhere in the middle of the day, I take a four hour nap, get the rest of the eight hours. Cause I can't go more than two days of the eight hours or someone will die. Um, and, uh, I mean, just talk to my judge. Uh, so <laughs> that's a joke people, uh, <laughs> don't talk to my judge. It's bad enough already. Uh, uh I'm in deep, uh, <laughs> But uh, no, I mean, I, I do not become a nice person if I don't get eight hours of sleep. Uh, I, I can go a day, but by the second day, then I go zombie-ish. So what's interesting is, is and I still do it every now and then um, since COVID, but I'll sleep for four hours. I'll wake up and I'll be energized and I'll have actually gained a pound or two. And then uh, I will do you know part of my day and then maybe after a bunch of podcasts like we've done today i'll go take a four-hour nap and get my eight hours in over 24-hour period right you know what's funny i'll lose three pounds two to three pounds in that four hours and that four hours will be my drool rem sleep like that's the crazy dreams i'll wake up the pillows i'll float in a bed um I, i anytime i wake up and i've been drooling I know that I'm going to hit the scale. I know that's gross people, but I'm sorry. I'm just giving you the science on it, <laughs> but I'll wake up. I'll, I'll get on that scale and that sucker. I'll be like, Oh, three pounds in four hours, which isn't the truth of it, but it's just how powerful it is. I guess. I don't know what point I'm trying to make. Yeah. I'm going to say that, uh, no clue why that happens, but boy, you're going to make an interesting test subject. Aren't I though? <laughs> you just people. need to volunteer for the right study. Hang on, I'm getting phone calls from the drool pillow people. Um, 
the uh yeah it's a wonder i don't have like one of those boats on my pillow no i seriously like I, the deep sleep i've got this uh bed called the eight sleep and it tracks my rem and somehow oh. i know it's very creepily when i'm in the deepest sleep and you can track it and correlate it with my weight loss and it's pretty interesting but i'm going to try this uh, morning thing because i i keep getting stuck after 75 pounds i'm kind of stuck and i and i'll get unstuck i'll go like a 20-hour fast and I'll get unstuck, and then I'll lose 10 pounds, and then I'm stuck again. And then there's like a range I'm kind of playing in for a while. Yeah, but, I, think, uh, I think one key to getting unstuck, mm-hmm. maybe this will work for you, maybe not, maybe for your listeners. But, you know, what, what the scientists will tell you is don't approach this as a diet. Yeah. Just approach this as the way you eat. If you're yeah. thinking, I'm only going to do this for three months, why bother? Because at the end of the three months, you're going to be happy with whatever weight you've taken off. Three mm-hmm. months later, it's all or most of it's going to be back on. Yeah. If you make this just this is the way I eat um, day in, day out, year after year, um, it, it works for an awful lot of people. I would I would totally agree with you and second that motion. Uh, I think we carried it. Um, you know, the, the thing is, too, is the older you get, the less you can do the stupid stuff, the drinking the partying, the eating at McDonald's, you know, I had, I had to give up drinking several years ago. I mean, I, I was fine drinking, had a good time. It was a nice sugar juice. Uh, but you, you start to feel the effects on your body after two or three days. And what, I think one of the things that happened to me with fasting and going veganese, uh, my version, uh, was my body was like, okay, well, we really enjoy this. And I, you know, I learned about gut health and how important the, the whole sewer system is your system. And actually they've, we've had authors on that have talked about how the sewer system in your gut actually affects your brain and, and, and things in your brain. Uh, and you know, it, your, your, your whole, it affects your whole body. You know, it's, you're just like, you're either a walking junk pond of crap that you've thrown into it, or you've given your body nutrients that go, thank you. And your body, you know, you know this from being a vegan, your body will thank you. Your body will be like, hey, we're going to make you feel really good today. And you're going to be, you know, like one thing I tell people when I fast is I'm really alert. You know, it's that whole mm-hmm. thing of, you know, the lion who hasn't eaten for a couple of days, you know, he's jacked up so he can do the thing. And I go through my day like I'm sharp as hell, you know. Sometimes I might be too sharp, but that could be the coffee. Um, the it could be the coffee jitters, but, uh, no, you, you get really focused. You can, I can see better. Um, but yeah, the older I get, the more my body is like thanking me. It's just like, Hey man, glad we could be friends finally after all these years. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing what you could get away with when you were young. Unfortunately, yeah. what the research is showing is we didn't really get away with that. No. So, you know what, it, what, what we now know is diseases like, cancer, for example, they take 10 or 20 years to show up. You know, you you don't like, you know, get breast cancer or prostate cancer or whatever it is. And, you know, it's just that you weren't living right for the past 18 months or something. It tends to be from, and and we now know that the vast majority of cancers are almost certainly caused by our lifestyle, chiefly by our diet, what we Mm. eat, what we drink, whether we smoke, things like that. Um, And so, yeah, those things build. And eventually those, those same sort of forces are what you know, lead to cardiovascular, uh, cardiovascular disease or dementia or, you know, any number of horrors. So, you know, yeah, me too. I didn't treat my body <laughs> as well as I should have 10 or 15, 20 years ago. I feel fantastic treating it better now, but I'm sure that there's some price that's going to have to be paid 
eventually yeah. for those years of mistreatment. That's the other reason I'm eating while I'm trying to make up for lost time. But uh, yeah. so far, the only stupidity or <laughs> fuck, I fucked a joke. So far, the only disease I've gotten is the disease of stupidity for anyone who knows me. So <laughs> as, as evidenced by your yeah, it's my butchering the joke before it came out. Damn it. I had set up any more you want to tease out, Steve, on your book. No, I, I would just the, the one thing that I would say is, is that prolonged fasting needs to be done under medical supervision for most people. However, the research has shown that daily fasting, this intermittent fasting, narrowing your feeding window, and if you can, moving it earlier in the day, if you can't, at least stacking your calories as much as you can earlier in the day, even if your window isn't entirely earlier, that everyone, virtually everyone could do. Unless you've got some really rare disease or something that requires you to eat food every hour and a half, you can do time-restricted feeding. The research shows that it's safe. Scientists and doctors recommend it. It would be just a clean, easy, cheap, as you said, thing to, for people to do to um, up their health just a bit. And then as you as you mentioned, you know, what's funny to me is people, the cheap and easy part of it, like you said, mm -hmm. That's, I think that's, that's the reason people kind of give it the queer eye. They're like, they're like, but, but it's not costing me anything, so it can't be real. <laughs> that's certainly what doctors and pharmaceutical companies say. That's oh, one yeah. reason, actually, why it's not accepted by the medical establishment. Wait a minute, this free thing—you just let the body heal itself. Well, that's not medicine. That's, what the hell is we that? Can't right? make any money off that, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you know, I mean, there's so many people that use between depression, drugs, you know, all sorts of ailments that they do. And then nowadays they, you know, if you watch the drug commercials, the, the one drug causes ailments that you've got to take another drug to fix those ailments that probably yeah. give you another side effect, you know, and, and there are people that have gone on fast and not only, you know, go, quit being diabetics. I think if they're what type two diabetes, mm -hmm. uh, they can have that potential, uh, to either manage it better or go off and not be diabetic anymore. Yep. Um, and it's so great. My friend, he is one of my best friends I play with all the time on video games. Um, he, you know, he's got to lose some weight. He's in the military and they have, you know, they, they're like, Hey, you better get in shape boy. Um, and so, uh, he, uh, just went on a diet using my little, little game plan. I think he's still eating a little bad and he's drinking some booze, but you know, he's, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna go do the journey. But he's lost like I think in a week he lost ten pounds, and he's like, "Wow, this is this is good." And you feel great too. There's a real difference. You you don't notice it until you fast because, but when you're constantly digesting food and you're just like, "Oh my god," you're just like tired and you're like, "Why am I so tired? I need sugar." And then once you start fasting and you get on healthy foods, you feel great and you're not you're not in a lethargic mode like, "What's wrong with me?" You don't need that sugar jack. You, yeah. you do need coffee. So, but. Yeah, even if uh, you don't change your diet, you find a lot of people just, you know, they're eating the standard American diet. They're eating at McDonald's. They're eating Krispy Kreme. They get in this narrower feeding window. They start to feel a little bit better. They're not perfect because they're still eating crap, right? Yeah. However, what they find is that this narrowed feeding window and this feeling of uh, more energy gives them the oomph that they were lacking to then mm -hmm. work on some of those other things. Well, maybe I'll... You know, a little less Taco Bell, maybe I'll do a little more salad or something. And so the the motivation to, you know, it's, if you dump everything on everyone at once, okay, you got to become vegan, you got to sleep right, you got to <laughs> exercise, you got to eat within six hours a day, it's too much. But what a lot of people find is 
you put your feeding window in this narrower time, you gain a little bit more energy that may help you with some of those other goals. Yeah, there you go. And one one thing I'll tease out here uh, to recommend to people, a lot of what we eat is for taste. Like my mom has this thing that she does where she'll put the chocolate in her mouth and taste it. And, you know, she probably deserves some of it or she'll put like a donut in her mouth and then she'll, she gets the taste and she spits it out, which is really, really weird. But, you know, my mom's great. Uh, but, you know, one thing I realized, and I think I might have gotten this presto, is we eat for taste. So you're eating that Big Mac, you're eating that Mountain Dew, you're doing that for that taste. And so what I learned about being vegan, veganese, people get upset with me, they write me later and go, there's 50 different versions of veganese, and those are the ones that are approved, I don't know what the fuck. But, uh, you know, don't get me started on the people who think that fish is still vegan. That's like (laughs) some bullshit right there. Yeah, we're we're vegan, but we don't, we eat fish. That's still meat, motherfucker, it's in the dictionary, shut up. Anyway, whatever, I'm not judging you. I was doing jokes. But... uh, um, you know, the the thing about that is, is I segued to the joke and then I lost the thing. What did I, what did I leave on before I segued? Well, you started with tastes and we eat for oh, taste. Oh yeah. So we eat with taste. So one thing I learned about being a vegan, veganese is if you can create really great tastes, you know, and cook, maybe get some good cookbooks and stuff or different things. You can make salads taste amazing. Like yeah. I make crazy salads. I have a salad every day. It's a big old thing. It's got a spinach, which doesn't always taste the best if you eat it on its own. Um, I'll eat but, broccoli. But if you throw in some avocado. Oh, you throw in some avocado, <laughs> some fresh tomatoes. Uh, I throw in sprouts. Uh, you know, I, there's a whole mess of crap that goes into my thing. Chia seeds. Like there's there's all sorts of stuff that goes into my salad. It's like a it's 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 like a giant meal you'd eat at a restaurant when I get done. But there's so much stuff in there, but it's all fresh and healthy. And maybe I throw in a Big Mac on top of the salad or something. No, I don't do that. Anyways, it's been wonderful to have you on the show, Steve. We really appreciate you coming by. Hey, Thank great you very to be much. with you. Thank you. There you go. Give us your plug so we can find you on the interwebs, please. Yeah. So the book is called The Oldest Cure in the World, Adventures in the Art and Science of Fasting, and you can find links to it and me at stevehendricks.org. There you go. There you go. Order up the books, guys. It comes out uh, September 6th in about six more, six or five or six more days. If you're watching the show 10 years from now on YouTube, like you people do, don't tell me it's not whatever. The oldest cure in the world article or might need something to eat now. Coffee. The oldest cure in the world adventures in the art and science of fasting by Steve Hendricks. Get it wherever fine books are sold. Go see all the books we're reading and reviewing on uh, that goodreads.com for just Chris Voss. Uh, YouTube as well. Uh, go to Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, all those places that we're uh, at. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. Try fasting, and we'll see you guys next time.